Welcome to The Turning Point, a podcast for any and all of us who are interested in education in sub-Saharan Africa. On this podcast, we'll be speaking with leaders, teachers and educators from all walks of life, but all of whom have a keen interest in the preparation of our next generations for an exciting future on the African continent. If you're interested in Africa taking its rightful place on the global education stage, or indeed simply interested in having a small window into this crucially important time in African education's history, join us on The Turning Point to hear what others have to say. Today I'm delighted to introduce to you Maya Lambert Ineza. Maya is a Burundian living and working in Rwanda. She grew up in Zambia, where her family still lives. She's an educator who is also passionate about Africa and advocating for education that opens doors for all Africans, not just those who can afford it. She has started a platform called Rema Africa Education as a space to engage with the different stakeholders on issues in education and how we can all be part of the village that creates the Africa we all dream of. She's also raising two little girls and is a Christian recording artist, as well as a blogger. Thanks for being with us today, Mayan. So welcome, Maya. It's lovely to have you here. Um, I'm really interested in your story. Um, and I'd like to start by asking you if you could tell us a bit more about yourself. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, my name is Maya. Um, I'm from Burundi. I'm Burundian. I'm currently based in Rwanda. And I've lived, uh, I'd say, majority or maybe half of my life in Zambia. So I'm a little bit uh, from everywhere in Southern Africa and East mm-hmm. Africa. Um, yeah, I'm an educator. I teach in um, a school, K-12 school here in Kigali. Mm-hmm. I've been teaching there uh, for four years, but I've also been um, outside of the classroom. Like I've been working in the education uh, sector, but in administration and um, in different roles, but in education um, since 2013. And yeah, I'm uh, I'm also a musician and singer and songwriter. Um, I I sing uh, Christian gospel music here uh, in this region. Uh, people also know as a singer and musician. So, and I'm a mom. Um, a mom and a wife. I have two little ones and my husband and I have been married for the past nine years and yeah that's a little bit about me amazing <laughs> lots going on there um I want to take yeah. you back to um yourself as a child and just ask what was your relationship like with education as an institution then yeah so I, uh, my family moved to Zambia because of uh, war. So we were refugees uh, from 1993. And um, so as a kid, I, I grew up, you know, sort of, I wasn't at international school or anything like that. I was I just in the mainstream school. And I, I mean, I've, I really did what I could to like blend in and so on and so forth. Um, but obviously there was that feeling uh, that I always grew up with that somehow I didn't belong, but that's a different thing. And when I graduated from high school, I, at the time I graduated, I was at top of my class. I had all these goals for myself. I wanted to do, I'd go to university and do different things. And it was then that I got hit with the reality 
um, of the fact that I wasn't a citizen and that limited my opportunities. I couldn't uh, continue on to university as I wanted. And so that was, uh, yeah, that was hard for me. I, I actually, as a young adult, I faced, uh, I dealt, I was really depressed at some point because I felt like I uh, had been cut in a way, like I wasn't given the opportunities that I really deserved, even though I had like, you know, the best grades, um, I had so much potential. I was a hard worker. I was intelligent. I didn't have those opportunities by just because of the fact that I was from, uh, you know, a certain uh, class of people I'd say, or maybe that I was a refugee and I was living in a foreign country and so on and so forth. So that's when I got hit with the reality of the, you know, inequality that exists in education and, and that, you know, at the end of the day, it's about, uh, you know, Unfortunately, if you are, you know, not wealthy enough, you will get a certain type of education. Or if you are, you know, maybe a refugee, you will not get as many opportunities as you truly deserve. And and of course, because education is kind of the thing that determines the path um, in life that you take, um, the education is what gives you the opportunities that you need to be able to, to you know, to make something of yourself. It, Practically, just limits uh, what you do in life. Um, but I didn't give up. Um, I spent, I mean, I did spend about five years. I, it was like five years before I was able to go back to school and get an education, like get my degree. Um, and I decided to go back to my home country in order to do that. And I, in my home country, I found myself all of a sudden in a different socioeconomic uh, uh, category because. I was now, you know, uh, someone who would come from outside of the country. And so uh, I was able to afford the education there. So I got into university uh, that for most Burundians was, um, excuse me, um, for most Burundians, that university was an expensive university and whatnot. And for me, it was affordable. So I was able to start my education, but I had, you know, I was sort of uh, paying my way through and I wanted to help my my siblings who were also in the same situation as I was in. Uh, they I brought them to our home country, Burundi, and also started going to school. But we kind of just worked and studied, worked you know, to try and uh, make it through school. So I, I think my my education with uh, my experience, or rather my my personal story with education is uh being confronted you know with the realities of the inequity that exists uh that exists in education and uh and that kind of you know what we call self-fulfilling prophecy that comes but that education you know certain people are given opportunities mm-hmm. others aren't and then of course those who are given opportunities are the ones who become leaders in society so it just kind of it's like it's it's creates a path for some and not yeah. others and and then um yeah and just for me it was it was a tough journey it was the long route (laughs) my degree my very first uh degree i was almost 29 okay um and uh it was a long journey you can imagine you know most people graduated the first degree when they're like 21 or something but for me it was much later Uh, and then of course because of different circumstances uh, that I, I found myself in and then later on I went on to get a master's degree um, and I you know I did I really for me education is so important but 
at the same time, it wasn't an easy journey for me. So that's that's what I've experienced and that that shaped my desire to, and I think we'll talk about it later, but like to really do more in creating opportunities for people who are like myself. Yeah. I can um, yeah. I can see that. That that's an amazing um story. Um I going back to something that you mentioned in there with this idea of dealing with identity, moving between Burundi back to Zambia. And I'm sure again when you went back to Burundi, um, this issue of who you are and, and where you belong um, tied up in, in who you are. So um, can you ex- explore that a bit with me, the the idea of identity? And, and is it something that you're conscious of today? Yeah, very much. Actually, now more than ever, I think now that I'm at an age where I'm really reflecting on those big questions of life and just getting to a point where I'm defining like who I want to be for the rest of my life rather than just being defined by the opportunities and the situations I find myself in. So I'm actually writing a book about this and it's for me like uh, a sense of belonging and identity is really foundational to, you know, uh, to for us as human beings, you know, the muscle hierarchy of needs shows us that belonging and security and physiological needs are some of the fundamental foundational needs that human being has and that if you don't have those needs met, uh, that it's harder for you to 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 really break through and experience and then be creative for example or like get to a level of socialization and so for me um that was a big 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 struggle as as a kid because i i really i i, I was in a in an environment and i can't really blame like the people educating me because of course they are you know i i really actually now i feel like i had a good education even though at that time i you know, I went to government schools. They weren't, they weren't the most excellent schools or anything, but I feel like it was contextualized in that sense. And so I was able to really get an African education. Um, but it made me, it, it created a, a sense in me where I, I felt like I had to be someone else in order to to belong, to in order to be successful. And, and of course, underneath that is a feeling that I'm not adequate and there's something wrong with me. You know, I need to be a certain skin color to be beautiful. I need to be have certain type of hair, beautiful and so, and so on and so forth. And those type of things that kind of like, um, you know, they, they, they really just affect your sense of confidence in life. So for me, my lack of uh, belonging, <laughs> my, my uh, discomfort with who I was and who I am and what I look like uh, really created a sense of, yeah, a lack of confidence that has really affected me even into my adult uh, years that I'm dealing with it now and this is why I'm like going back and like reflecting some of those experiences and redefining like uh, telling myself again like there's nothing wrong with who I am there's nothing wrong with my skin color there's nothing wrong with anything that I am because it is it is who I, I I'm created and I'm actually taking pride in that and um and and being confident in who I am and that's now allowing me to be able to do to, to work more confidently, to present myself in the world as a, as someone who has something to offer, not to look down on myself, you know, to feel like other people have more to offer than me because I'm not adequate for whatever reason. So I think uh, that identity crisis that I had as, you know, growing up as a refugee and not really and not knowing who I am and whatnot uh, really had a huge impact on how I presented myself to the world and obviously, you know, how confident and creative I was yeah that's great to hear 
Um, you mentioned there about having very, you're very grateful that you were able to have an African education. Um, what, mm -hmm. what about that time? I, I don't know if you're um, talking about the time in Burundi or, or when you went to Zambia, but what was it? Was it Burundi? Um, in Zambia. That, in Zambia, okay. What was it then that, um, that really like spoke to you and into your identity of being African? How, how was that experience? Um, I, I think at some point in my journey, I, I, I wished I had had more of like, uh, a global education, like, you know, but now as I'm maturing, I'm realizing that I was privileged to have a very, uh, you know, an education that, that focused on our history, for example, we didn't, I mean, in our school, and I don't know if it's like this entirely great thing, but like in our schools in Zambia. Uh, there was a huge focus on like Southern African history, for example, and um, and yeah, so we we learned about that, and we learned about our culture, and we learned our local languages. Uh, we spoke our local languages in school. We that's amazing. I mean, the philo the philosophy of education. I mean, we didn't feel like we had to to speak English or in like a certain way. You know, we had to, we could be ourselves. We could be ourselves in the classroom and not feel like we we have to, you know, be this sort of different person. Um, we 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 read stories like about African, uh, like folk stories and uh, things like that. And then we played African games playground, <laughs> and we, yeah. actually we didn't have, we didn't have te technology, so you know we had to entertain ourselves with what we had. So. We played a lot of uh, games and that those are like community games, like really having that uh, sense of community. Um, and so like, I feel, I feel really privileged because I, I wouldn't have said this maybe 10 years ago, but I really do appreciate that education that I had because I think now as I'm getting to appreciate my identity, um, I don't feel like I don't know what Africa is or I don't know what what our history is per se. I'm still learning still because I feel like even though it was, if we were taught about Africa somehow, some of the ways in which our history was presented was negative. Um, that is maybe one of the things that I, I found really, maybe that's not great about that type of education is like, you know, you look down on the past or you use words like modern to signify like African things are like backward and whatever. And then you, use you know words that like you know that signify that that western ideas or philosophies are more advanced you know so like i, I wouldn't uh if there's one thing i could change is just the way that that our african culture values philosophy or our history was presented but otherwise i really appreciate the type of education and now like my desire is to to, to teach my kids to raise my own kids up in that way and I mean, I find that a lot of good schools don't have that anymore because we're, yeah. That, that, that's actually where I was going to go next. So you mentioned there that you you only realized later in life that you it was a privilege to get that kind of education and to get um, what you call an African education and, and the difference between that and a global education. Um, and it can sometimes erase some of those, those um, aspects of culture, language, um, identity actually um that you now hold on to so 
um, th this kind of comes under the bigger um, banner of decolonizing education. And I have um, heard you also speak about this. So what, what are your views on this at the moment in, in schools? Yeah, I mean, it's a big topic and I, I feel, um, so on the topic of decolonizing education, I, I feel like there's a narrative that we have created through our education about Africa as, as a continent that makes it such a negative place <laughs> and everything African to be negative, which makes our kids, you know, kind of the more educated they are, the more they want to be less African, you know, the more they advance education, the more they look down on Africa, which then in the long run is creating these people who are disconnected from their context and disconnected from uh, their, their, you know, what, who they are basically, you know, cause it's cutting them off from, uh, who they are. For example, in my home country in Burundi, that is, uh, you'll find a, a lot of schools don't uh, like their kids speaking Kirundi, their, their language. And so we have kids in Burundi who have never left Burundi, who have always been in Burundi. They live in Burundi, but they don't speak Kirundi, right? And because they've been told that when you speak French, that that's, you know, that's when you're more educated and you look more educated or whatever. And, and I feel like that's the type the type of thing that is really hurting us in the long run because of course those kids we are raising them for Canada and for France and for and not for Burundi and not for Africa um so uh the the, the purpose of education uh in like what you know education is still very young really it's like a century old you know like formal education as we know it education itself has always been happening over in different ways for informally but like formal education as we know it is pretty young and like when it started out in Africa in particular, it was in the context of colonialism. And um, it was uh, this idea that we needed to civilize Africans um, and, and help them become a modern or whatever. Uh, but it was really intended for us to serve the countries that had colonized us, to become more like them, to speak like them, to talk, you know, to, to resemble them, right? And so the, the the education that was created was the example, the model was was uh, the colonizers. So that's the the the, the create and of course, education was a way of un-Africanizing us, if there's mm -hmm. such a thing, making us less and less African and more and more Western or more and more you know like our colonizers. So I think that you know now we're seeing that it, I'm reflecting on. You know, I look at, I observe how education is changing across the world at the, the challenges that maybe Western countries are facing in education, the challenges that we're facing here in the global South. And I realized that, you know what? People are turning towards the values that were, have always been there in African and in African culture and education. Mm -hmm. For example, look at like, I mean, this is no secret, but a lot of schools in the U.S., teachers are leaving the classroom because of behavior and issues and you know school violence and things that in school the classroom is no longer a safe place you know and when you look at it it's because people have uh, said you know the learner is over here the teacher is here and and yet like in african philosophy we do all things together it's a community it's more like right. a circle yes. like the parent has to be involved mm -hmm. the community has to be involved the church has to be involved the you know everybody has a role to play but in 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 sort of Western ideas of philosophy, it's been the school is over here, the community is over here, everyone else is over here. And so like the school systems are falling apart. And now you know, we're realizing look, we need to go back to those values that, mm -hmm. you know, it's supposed to be done in the context of community. 
So decolonizing education for me means coming back to who we are. Mm -hmm. uh, and because we are educating these children so that they can be able to be be able to be useful to these same mm -hmm. societies that we live in, mm -hmm. right? And the brain drain that we are seeing today is because kids have been, from a young age, they're being taught for you to be successful, you have to leave Africa. For you to be successful, you have to be less African. And you have to abandon your African identity so that you can become more modern, right? Because being African is backward and whatnot. And so those are narratives that are, unfortunately, through the hidden curriculum, they're being communicated to kids. When you tell a child that speaking Kurundi is bad, you're telling them that who they are, something wrong with who they are. And that's, you know, that's very harmful for us, uh, for, for the child, first of all, because it creates an identity crisis within them. And then, of course, for the whole nation, for the continent, who are we raising these children for? You know, who are we preparing these children for? For our, if it's for our country and for our continent, then we have to, we have to raise them to love their country and their continent and to embrace who they are. Yeah. So, I mean, I can say a lot of things about that, but <laughs> <laughs> no, no. You've, you've, I can see you're passionate about it and it's amazing and I really do um, agree with you with this idea of community and that school is just beyond it's, it's beyond just you know the walls of a school and and especially in Africa and and the, the role of community even even church like you said it, everything that you know it, it's um, a lot more uh, connected um, yeah. and, and sometimes in, in western school systems it's very much you come in you learn and then you go home and that's a separate um, separate life that you have. Um, I, I wanted to ask then, so what, what, I know you're leaving education in the school that you, because you're currently an educator in Africa, in Kigali. Um, what, what comes next for you as you embark on a career outside of the classroom? And well, actually, before I go there, why? Why are you leaving the classroom? Um, because I can yeah. tell that education is not it's not going to go anywhere. So I'm, I, I presume you're still going to be involved in education. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I, I once uh, I've been in the classroom and I I love being in the classroom and I feel like I still want uh, to to be in the classroom in some way, some format, but like maybe not in a full time way because I I want to do more um, more. I really want to do more. I I'm very privileged in the, to teach in one of I, I, I mean, I'm biased, but I really believe that our school is one of the best schools <laughs> here in Kigali. Um, and it's really, every child should have that type of education, really. Um, I mean, unfortunately, it is very expensive and it is, and it's understandably expensive because, you know, it's, it's hard, you know, education is such a hard thing. It's, it's such an important thing and it's costly. And, and I understand that. And so I, I, I think when I look at the kids that I teach today, I, I say, you know, this, I'm so happy that these kids are getting this education. And I'm also happy that, you know, there, this is what every child should experience, but unfortunately so many other children that don't experience. And the thing that keeps on haunting me is, uh, I, I was that other kid, <laughs> you know, I am not part of this demographic that do that house, you know, these privileges and uh, their, their, their future is already clear for them, you know. They already know that when they graduate, they go to, you know, they go to the best schools here and there. I didn't have that story. And so for me, I, I, I feel like I've been in the position that I'm in to learn, to grow, to get as much as possible, and then to go out there and create more opportunities for kids like myself. 
And um, even my own kids are not part of that, you know, 1% of kids. They're not, you know, and uh, it's not a bad thing. I think I think some of those things are very healthy balances in life. Um, I, so I want to do more to to make uh, to create more opportunities for kids to learn, even outside of the classroom. Again, like I mentioned, education cannot be the responsibility of the teacher and the administrators. It's just it's not possible. Or that's not realistic. And we're seeing this like you, when you hear people talk about what teachers should do, you wonder like when am I supposed to do these things? I don't I don't know how to you know, I'm one human. I cannot. You know, I teach my classes are relatively small i have classes of like sometimes 10 to the largest class i've ever taught was like 23 or 24. but i imagine teachers would teach 60 kids in one class i cannot imagine how hard it is to teach so many kids and if you have to discipline you have to make sure they learn you have to you have it's it's a hard job right and so i believe we should we should all be doing more uh, like more to support what the education what the schools and teachers are doing so for me i want to i want to step out of the classroom not not to next like, stop teaching but also to look at some of those other gaps that we are having in learning are uh, created partly by maybe a lack of uh resources let's say for some schools to like you know uh even with with regards to like um, creativity or um, with regards to technology, there are a lot of gaps that a majority of uh, of our kids in Africa are 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 experiencing and lacking in their education for them to have a more holistic education because of a lack of opportunity because most schools can't afford to give them all these things. So how can we uh, come alongside schools and uh, teachers and and parents and as a community, as a community, to 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 give more opportunities for kids to learn um, formally and informally, and uh, to supplement the, the the learning that happens. How can we create a space where they learn more about Africa and their culture and and their creative and their uh, yeah? So like, I, I want to do I want to do more to be able to help schools uh, that were like the schools that I went to. Um, to be able to provide more, you know, like for example, tech is such a, a huge thing in in our time today, and yet our kids are being left behind. Uh, as technology is advancing, many of our kids are left behind, and of course, the pandemic, you know, it was it just widened that gap even more. Uh, how can we how can we work together to create more access to technology to these? that don't have that access. And you can't tell the teacher to do more. You can't tell the school to do more. They're already doing more than they should be doing. Honestly, I feel like there's a lot of criticism against uh, African schools and public schools and government schools. But when I look at these teachers, I look at them and I'm like, you are heroes. How do you even do this? Mm -hmm. I teach 12 kids. I feel like I'm losing my mind. And you teach 60 kids in one class. And of course you have four or five classes. Mm -hmm. How do you do this? And I think we need to support more of our local schools. Um, so that they're able to to give a more holistic and education, but also give these kids more opportunities, um, kids like myself. So that's why I'm I'm leaving the classroom as in the context that I'm in to step into another area. It's, it comes back to that whole idea of, you know, it's 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 not just about me progressing in life. Uh, it's also about me uplifting others as I progress and I learn. I want to go back and be like, hey, like I want to lift someone up as well so we can all progress together because 
we we are collective society our mindset in africa is about collective yeah. collective thing that's african yeah. philosophy in itself isn't it that that idea of, of going together yeah fantastic um maya i can i can tell you're going to go on to great things there um what i really like is uh, well as well as is how you speak about the school that you're currently working in that's really lovely and um this idea of supporting other schools and i guess it's collaboration between what's already going on on the continent that is is really good practice and sharing that and making it more accessible in ways so um i really admire um your ambition so um, I'm going to end with asking a question. In 10 years' time, Maya, what would you have, have hoped to be seeing in the education landscape in Africa? Yeah. Oh, I I hope uh, that in education that, first of all, like, will change our narrative about uh, how we talk about this continent. I hope that kids will be proud to be African and to identify themselves as African, and including all the things that make us Africans, even the things that, you know, are somewhat negative, you know, some, I've been reflecting on even things like timekeeping and, and, you know, it's frustrating when you think about it, but in other ways, like we're more relational than we care about following a said program, you know, and those type of things. I appreciate it. Uh, I was going to say professionalism, like this idea of what's professional in terms of timekeeping. It's it's very one-sided. It's like it's it's written yeah. by the West and it's and portrayed as the only way, but it it doesn't have to be that way. And you know, and so I totally get you there. Yeah, and I I feel like I've I've enjoyed good things about both perspectives, and I feel like not this or that. It's kind of like a blend of both. It's not like we should throw out you know our value our. Free and our, our you know, we value the relationship more than even what we're going to talk about. We don't go straight to the point. We just, I want to ask you about your kids, your grandmother, what happened, whatever. You know, those are the things that make us yeah. Africans, you know, before we get to the point. Um, so, like, I want kids to, first of all, understand, like, what makes us African? Mm-hmm. What makes us, what makes, what do we have to offer to the world? You know, because when we get on the world stage, we need to understand that we have something to offer. We are not just people who are coming to receive. We we have something to bring on the table. We have something to teach people. By the way, I really believe that the tables are going to change in the future. And we're going to be sitting and telling them, talking about like children and discipline and these things. These are things that as Africans, when it comes to discipline, we're very high on discipline and maybe, maybe a little too strong on the discipline side because we have this certain philosophy about the, the you know, it takes a village, for example to the child that's an an idea that you know that village doesn't exist in the west anymore um but we we need to come back and 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 sit together because i think as humanity there's no single culture that has figured everything out you know i i think there's no single system there's no single political system there's no single philosophy that has all the answers the answers are in all coming together and learning about the good things of each single aspect. And I'm not even I'm not even saying that we should throw out the Western ideas altogether because they do have a lot of great things that we should learn from. Learn, but we shouldn't put them over here. You know, we should kind of st- stand side by side, shoulder to shoulder, and learn from each other. And so I want to see like African education taking pride in who we who we are, and I want to see us produce kids that would not want to live anywhere else but Africa. And even if they do travel, they travel as Africans. They're not going there to de- to, to to change who they are, to forget their language, forget their culture. They're going there and they're like, I'm coming here, I'm in this country, but I'm an African. 
And I'm proud to be that. And I'm here to represent that continent that I am a part of. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, education is the, the thing that's going to help us change the narrative of Africa that's going to now spill over into every other aspect of our society and into our politics, into our, into our business, whatever, every other aspect, because education is the foundation for any society. So I hope to be part of people challenging that thinking. I hope to be a part of people, uh, you know, having those tough conversations. And really, I, I've, I've been blessed to have this experience, you know, wide experience, and I, I love it. And it has helped me appreciate so many things about uh, different cultures and different things. And I've come to the understanding that, you know, first and foremost, I have to understand who I am and then uh, understand more about others. And then we can work together to create a better world. That is wonderful. Maya, thank you so much. Honestly, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I um, I, I really do admire um, your passion and how you are putting that into everything that you do and you will do. Um, and so I'm very excited to see um, what happens next and, and where you where you end up and the impact that you will make because I'm sure it will be very large. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm.